educators of Virginia, and welcome back to your favorite podcast channel, Deeper Insights with VASCD. I am your gracious and humble host, Chris Jones, Executive Director of VASCD, and I am so honored uh, and extremely fortunate today to be able to sit down with Jane Kesey, who is, in fact, one of our keynote speakers for our upcoming uh, annual conference at the end of November. Make sure you visit our website and register uh, to come to that conference. Uh, Jane is the founder of Differentiated Coaching Coaching Associates. She is the author or co-author of more than 25 books, which is quite impressive because Jane, I'm walking around, I can't even write one, and here you are with 25. Uh, But all things leadership, differentiated coaching, uh, so her most recent work that I don't know if it's fully out yet, Jane, and you can tell us if it is, but on educator bandwidth um, is, is, is another one of those works. But with 25 books, a lot of knowledge, a lot of research, um, and just one of our thought leaders. And it is my honor to welcome Jane to our podcast. Jane, welcome. How are you? I am good. And uh, thank you. Yes, Educator Bandwidth is out and it helps me actually be able to say I am good. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So our audience has come accustomed uh, to me going a little bit deeper with the how are you question. So when you say you're good, what's good, Jane? Tell us tell us why you're feeling so good. Is it because the the book has has finally dropped the, the latest one or is there some other cool things going on? Well, I have to say on the personal side, I am finally a grandmother of a wonderful seven-month-old. So, you know, that aside, that is a bandwidth builder. Um, anytime I can just click on a video that my son or daughter-in-law has has sent and get that that lift of spirit that you can do in many, many ways. But also, uh, one of the things that's fulfilling to me as an outside consultant to schools is that the schools that are asking me in are being more uh, thoughtful about making sure I'm coming at the right time, that they're partnering with me about what else is going on and what they're most concerned about. And it makes my job so much easier because uh, I don't deliver a, a a set workshop. You know, I want to make sure it meets what's going on with the teachers at that time. And it's actually gotten easier, maybe because uh, the stakes are higher. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of of high stakes, um, right now we're in we're in a moment and we've we've been in a sustained moment, a different kind of moment for a couple of years now. But we're we're in a very unique point in time right now that um, is I'll just say it's interesting. Um, I, I know it's there's there's some difficult areas and, and, and we're experiencing some frustration. Um, there is hope and optimism in the well, which is really, really good news. Uh, but when you talk about the stakes have. Are, are so high right now and, and so much is going on around us. And I won't even begin to list those things, but what are, what are you thinking about right now, Jane? Uh, you know, if the, the two things that really keep coming up in my mind is uh, number one is the, the whole ASCD emphasis on the whole child and academic achievement. Um, those are interdependent and, if, you know, I keep seeing things on, on schools, you know, reaching for the test scores, reaching for uh, extra tutoring or extra hours. And, you know, time in seat doesn't equal, uh, you know, there's, there's, there isn't a linear relationship 
between how much time we spend working and the results that we get. It actually levels off and it happens for students as well as for adults. And if we think we're going to um, really increase student achievement without making sure they actually want to be doing what they're doing, we're crazy. So I'm constantly thinking about engagement. You know, what not entertaining the students, not meeting their every need for doing what they want, not real world problems, but what gets them engaged? Because if we don't do that first, or if we aren't emphasizing that, we're, we're kidding ourselves that kids that are behind are going to dig into the schoolwork in a way that's going to get the academic achievement that we're after. Um, I have to share a really personal story. I am learning contracted Braille. I mean, I've probably got 15 more years of being able to read, but I can't imagine. Um, I'm the daughter of a librarian, the daughter of granddaughter of a school teacher. Um, and I've been reading. It is, it's my third favorite thing to do beyond family and being outside. And so, so contracted Braille is like my escape for when I can't just pick up a print book. I'll still be able to sit down and do it. And it's really, you know, it's, it's a code more so than a different language. And then you've got to read with your fingers. And um, so I can read Reader's Digest at a rate at about a, a page, a half hour. And I got to an article on hot chili hot or uh, hot honey, which is chili infused honey or honey infused, however you do that. Yeah. And I thought, okay, that's interesting. I'm not going to make it. And then there was an article on how to, or, you know, more on how to use it. And I'm skimming it going, okay, that's fine. I'm not doing that with it. I'm not making a dressing with it. Long story short, there were two and a half pages on hot chili and then the recipe. And I thought, I am not reading this. And I skipped it. I am a mature adult in choosing to practice these skills. And I could not for the life of me make myself read you know, that hour and a half of information on something I was not going to do. If I can't do that, what will happen to a six-year-old or an eight-year-old or a 10-year-old with the equivalent of my Braille skills in their reading lives if they're asked to read something they have no interest in? You know, and that's that's what's in my head is, oh my gosh, these poor kids, how do we make sure that something is engaging them in a way that they're willing to do the equivalent of the hard work I'm doing to figure out um, this new skill for me. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's so interesting, and and I definitely appreciate the the point of you know. Okay, we've got hot honey. I, I really don't care about hot honey, even though the skill that you're learning is you know that was the content for. I mean, it's the same thing when you know kids are learning to read and they're using content and 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 nonfiction as the text to do their learning how to read while they're also learning content. So that's what an interesting interesting connection. I. To, uh, to the same point is what where I see the struggle or where I'm seeing the struggle now is that we've we've developed a set of skills over time that help us address the things of like the disengaged student or the apathetic student or the student who's you know displaying behaviors because there's something underlining where it's on a smaller scale. So in the classroom, it doesn't become a classroom management issue because I can use my my tools, my tricks and my techniques that I've that I've developed over the years to to be able to to turn that around to to not impact class. Well, we do that now it's times 12 times 15 instead of having two students who, you know, I, I'm having to manage at, at a time. Now it's the whole class or it's half the class. And that's like the volume is one side of that issue. 
Um, and especially when it comes to like the engagement and figuring out what it is to tap into. The other side of it too is it 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 seems like just from my perspective that all of the tools and techniques that we've had for instructional delivery and for assessment and 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 for engagement are not working on the new problems that we're experiencing. So there are new problems, but our old, old solutions aren't working. So we need to develop a whole new set of skills for this whole new set of problems. Um, I, I said all of that, that was probably more than I wanted to, to share, but you got me thinking about that. And with one of your books, Doable Differentiation, this idea of when, when one size fits all has never really been the answer, but it masked, it was masked a lot. It, it's not masked anymore. And so right. we think about kids in small groups at a time or kids in one at a time. What, what are you thinking about when you, when you talk about if we're not, if we can't engage the kids, there's no way we're ever going to, you know, develop the whole child or get our reading scores or our math scores or our achievement scores where they need to be. I, I, there's a question in there somewhere, Jane. I, hopefully you can find it. <laughs> well, you know, doable differentiation is premised on the fact that there are patterns to how we learn. And it's different than learning styles. It's actually how our brains work. And half of the battles in education um, come from the fact that we're hardwired to, to believe one way or the other. Mm. Um, whether it's the reading wars. Uh, have you noticed that there's a difference between the average persona of a math teacher and the average persona of a language arts teacher? As, and I'm not stereotyped. As a, as a math teacher, I know we're different. <laughs> okay. And so we use our strengths when we're choosing our profession. And that means that you've got sort of a homogenous group of math teachers who learn one way. And it's, it's like my easiest way to illustrate this is that the English teachers aren't the same. Yet we tend to think that um, how we learn is the best way to teach, which means the language arts teachers are, are leaving out the kids who learn like math teachers and vice versa. And that results in the reading wars, the math wars, et cetera. So, you know, one of the things I'm thinking of is we're so polarized when in fact it's all around um, these hardwired beliefs. I wrote in differentiated coaching that, you know, teachers teach from their strengths, which are tied to that, that, um, develops their beliefs, you know, on this is the way to do it. So if I'm asking them to change, I'm asking them to change their beliefs. Mm. And that means it's like asking them to change religions. Um, a, it takes a lot of bandwidth. Um, B, I have to meet their needs. And I'm not talking about um, letting, you know, making every teacher always teach a different way or that we should be accommodating student needs. Actually, every student needs to learn in all of the ways I'm talking about, they need to access the skills that a math teacher usually uses, that a language arts teacher usually uses, that that uh, very active learner um, really uses, you know, the hands-on touching. I mean, I'm having, I'm, I'm the opposite of the hands-on learner. And now here at this stage of my life, I'm having to learn to be a hands-on learner versus the let's not and say we did I was as a student. Just let me read about it. Don't make me you know, make me actually try it. Um, and so, you know, real life success requires all of these learning styles, cognitive processes. The mistake we've made is teaching to only one versus or um, thinking we have to teach to the student rather than helping the student move to the um, skills needed for this particular content. 
or a kind, you know, I think of like me needing to read about hot honey. If I were a teacher and I had to, uh, maybe it's reading it in a group, not with popcorn reading, but with other differentiation techniques. So I'm not, the whole burden of it isn't on me. Or maybe that's when I do get to listen to an audio or access something on the web in a video that gives me the content without making me feel like the idiot taking two and a half hours to read or not two and a half and to take me an hour and a half. Um, so that's, that's this piece of, can we rethink what differentiation means um, to ensure we're engaging? Cause it, it's so different for a student to go, Oh, once again, I don't know how to do this versus this, this is learning like math versus reading. I have to access a different skill set or ask the teacher for a different way to do this. Um, and that's that's far, far different. Um, and it it actually takes less bandwidth for the teachers mm. to once they realize they're not in charge of meeting every need all the time, but they're in charge of not leaving out a group of students constantly, which is what the research shows we've done um, over and over again. Well, and and that makes so much sense. Uh, I mean, although I, I I'm not a hundred percent expert of what you're talking about, but it does it it makes sense that if if we access information and we store information and and recall information in a variety of ways, then we've got to tap into all those variety of ways, regardless of what our preference is. I, I mean, going back to the the hot honey, I'm sure if you had to make the hot honey, like if you followed the recipe and actually made it and tasted it, it might have a different experience for you than if you were also trying to learn how to read Braille at the same time. Well, I might actually even go back and want to read the other uses for it. You know, if I'd <laughs> if I'd had that experience and learned, wow, that's a really good salad dressing, for example. So, um, you know, that's the motivation piece that we try and build into doable differentiation is, um, you know, I love the the idea of uh, never work harder than your students from um is it Robin Fogarty's book? I shouldn't say it without knowing. No, um, I, I I don't know. And so we'll have Robin to check that. But, but yes, I know exactly what you're talking Robin about. Robin Jackson. Anyway, just that idea. Um, but, you know, this idea of if I want students to achieve, I've got to engage them. It's, it's, a, it's actually a polarity, interdependent sets of values that um, over time we have to be putting action steps into place to get both of those things going. And if we overfocus on one, we get the downside of both. And that's what I think we're seeing. We're seeing student apathy and we're seeing lower, you know, there was another announcement today that, you know, the test scores are still lower than before the pandemic. And um, again, you know, who are we kidding? If we think we can get those test scores up without the students wanting to do the work, yeah. it just, we don't work that way as adults. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, to your point, the answer is not to test more or to do something just straight away one way and and, and continue to hammer away and, and hope for the best. So I, I get it. More time doing the same exact thing isn't going to be the answer. Uh, so, no, I, I definitely appreciate that. So you, you talked about the 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 balance and the infusion, not maybe not the balance, but the infusion of whole child and achievement and and in order for us to see any difference in any gains, we've got to really think about how we engage our kids. And we, I mean, I think we just covered a lot of ground just there in a couple of minutes. Now, originally you said you're thinking about two things. I think when I asked what you're thinking about, were those the two things or was that just thing number one? That was thing number one. Okay. <laughs> the other actually so, is, 
The other actually is related to educator bandwidth. Uh, you know, we're asking teachers to meet the needs of the students. Uh, and it's my, you know, I also consult in uh business and nonprofits. It's just, I actually, I have an MBA in finance. I try and only use it when I'm working with secondary math teachers, because I'm much more on the people and um, team building and instructional coaching side of things. But, you know, when I'm working with organizations, the emphasis on emotional intelligence and leaders is far more profound. You know, it's, uh, you know, I'm frequently coaching the top leaders solely on their EQ. And, you can't have a high, you can't exhibit high EQ unless you've got a high level of bandwidth and bandwidth comes and goes. It, it's, we define it as, um, I mean, your, your prefrontal cortex is a hungry, hungry animal and it's responsible for your executive function, how well you're deciding things, whether you can actually control your emotions, uh, understand what they are, listen for the emotions of others, influence those emotions, how much willpower you have, um, you know, all those things require bandwidth. And, you know, our work on it started actually in the, the business sector with, sector with um, leaders in an executive development program. We've been doing this program for five years, you know, coming in as external consultants and coaching those who'd been chosen for this leadership development program. And all of a sudden this new cohort didn't, um, weren't getting their assessments in on time. Their 360 feedback people weren't giving it to them. They were canceling appointments saying, oh, we're just too busy. And I was keynoting to the whole group. And so I gave them a quiz on the back of a napkin on how their brains work. And people scored as low as 10 out of 60 on that early crude. Do you actually know what it takes to keep your brain fueled up? And it changed the conversation for the whole leadership development weekend. As they said, we got to get our bandwidth up, you know, it became the buzzword. Yeah. Uh, and uh, some of them had us use it with their teams. My colleague, Ann Holman, I thought, well, this is really interesting. Tried it with some other clients. And uh, then because uh, deadlines are a wonderful motivator, we decided to keynote it on it, on it at a conference and had to gather the data and validate the survey thanks to a, a good friend of ours who loves data more than we do. Um, and uh, in January, 2020, we signed the contract with ASCD. Uh, so all our work, all our validation was before the COVID pandemic, mm -hmm. looking at how do you keep recharged? And it's not just, um, number one, it's not just um, self-care. That's only one of the five factors that our research showed feeds into having enough bandwidth to bring your best self to your job, um, there's there's five other factors, um, but it's also the fact that if a teacher's trying to to increase and maintain their bandwidth in a system that's beating it up, they can't do it. You know, it's like a doctor saying, "Eat healthy." If you live in a food desert and you can't have can't get access to the healthy foods, if we're saying to a teacher, "Just do yoga, just breathe," and yet the system isn't giving them a space in which they can build their bandwidth, the teacher can't do it alone. So it's another polarity, this interdependency between an organization's responsibility to foster an environment that allows for good bandwidth and an individual's responsibility to take the steps to keep their bandwidth as high as possible. Um, and that's what you know we've been working on with, with an actual validated way to find out where the strengths are in an organization and in individuals and where the, where the true needs are to change what's going on.
Yeah. It's, so it sounds like to me. Well, that's the other one. Can you tell him a, yeah, can you tell no. him a little passionate about it? <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. So to, to me, what, what I'm hearing, um, and, and I'm, you know, I, when I hear someone, I, I make connections through different phases of my life, not just the current, you know, role that I'm in. I, just hearing you there, I thought about my role as a principal. And, and, you know, what I heard you say when I'm wearing that hat is, as a leader, my responsibility to the organization is first and foremost to 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 increase my bandwidth so that my emotional intelligence is high enough to be able to do the work that needs to be done in a way that supports and fosters and 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 creates the environment for others to thrive, whether that's from a bandwidth point of view or an instructional point of view or or whatever. But it, it sound it sounded to me like I got to get my mind right so that my emotional intelligence is is on point. Not just the skills to develop them and 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 to have high emotional intelligence, but also the bandwidth to be able to follow through with it. Am I tracking? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And you know, there's so many factors on the leadership side. For example, no one feels that they can take care of themselves unless they see the leader doing it. Mm. Um, and then the, you know, there's the, oh, that's so interesting. The fact I, that I was so, I was guilty of that because I would never, I would never take care of myself. And so no one thought it was okay to take care of themselves. And then the moment I started to say it is time that a lot of different things triggered. Anyways, go ahead. I'm sorry. You just really unlocked a whole lot for me there. Yeah, that's one. And then um, like the number one predictor of individual bandwidth in an organization is the outcome factor on our survey of, I work in the leaders in my organization or learning community foster an environment that lets me be efficient. Mm. And for whatever reason, when people feel that that is true, they are reporting higher bandwidth, you know, which includes things like, can I focus my attention? Um, am I uh, approaching my work in an efficient way? Am I taking care of myself? Do I feel good about how I'm carrying out my priorities? Uh, do I have good, healthy relationships? And am I using time in a way that works? Those are the six factors, which, you know, we could spend hours talking about, but self-care is in there, um, but it's just one. Yeah. yeah. And and it's it, it's the one that for the past, I'd say maybe three years. Um, yeah. Close to three years now has been the one that we thought was you got to take care of yourself. You self-care this and self-care that to the point where folks are over that phrase. Like, you know, there's, there's some other things, like you said, that, that need to happen. And so if, if we want to, if we want to learn more and really unpack those factors, we need to go by educator bandwidth. It sounds like that's what we need to do. <laughs> well, I would uh, say that that's a good idea. And, you know, ASCD actually, um, created a platform where you can take the survey free of charge. So it's a wonderful way to just get, you know, it's out at their website. If you search educator bandwidth, you can find that. So they, they're vested in just helping people get introduced to the ideas. And then I certainly hope that there's enough from that to get you curious about wanting to know what to do about it. All right. I'm just making a note so that I, I make sure that I include it in the show notes so that we've got a direct link to it. Um, awesome. Well, Jane, I, I promised you that we would not be uh, longer than 30 minutes. We just hit 
uh, 1.30, keeping an eye on the time and, and make sure that I'm mindful of, of your time. Um, any, you know, it's, it's July now, uh, you and I are having this conversation in July. Uh, we'll release the YouTube video version much sooner than we'll roll out the podcast version. School will be in session once the podcast, the audio version drops. Um, any parting shots or anything that you'd like to say uh, to, to sign us out of here? Just, you know, if, if we're meeting the emotional and uh, bandwidth needs of an adult, it's so much easier for them to be able to do it for the students. And yes, our students do have high needs right now, but that's an interdependency too, the adults and the students. So that would be my, my final thought, getting that, that mix right for the situation that you're in. Awesome. Thank you, Jane, so much once again for sitting down to uh, record this podcast with us. I can't tell you how excited we are to have you as our day one closing keynote uh, at our annual conference coming up at the end of November in Williamsburg. I can't wait to meet you personally, um, and and I can't wait to learn more from you. And uh, kudos to you for learning to uh, to read Braille. I, that's that's impressive. Thank you. Never thought I'd be doing it, and we all need a skill to keep working on. So that that lifelong learner piece, we want to keep going. Thank you so much, and I can't wait for Williamsburg as well. Okay. Thank you.